0: Um, I know that because my wife commented on the cover character, Brooks Kepka, and noted how handsome and uh, dynamic and interesting. I love that he you're so, to you're, be. your
1: your so, so sophisticated, refined wife, who's who's married to an <laughs> urbane intellect like yourself, was like, heavy breathing over Brooks Kepka. I never would have guessed that that she he was her type.
0: She also likes Dustin Johnson. I
1: mean, they all do, but I thought Christine would transcend that. I'm like, how did you wind up with me? Hello, this is Alan Shippenuck, back for another podcast with The Knockdown. It is Sunday night in St. Louis. Michael Bamberger is joining us for the traditional uh, recap. We're still buzzing from uh, an incredible
0: PGA and a couple glasses of red wine. Where are we right now, Michael? We are at Mama's on the Hill, in the hill section of St. Louis. Why are we here? We're just down the street from Yogi Baron Joe Gargiola's childhood home. Uh, this is a baseball town, first and foremost. Uh, well, just as a quick segue, but I would say because it's a baseball town, and because baseball is a slow game, and they're really super crazily devoted to the Cardinals here, in good times and bad. Not that there's that many bad times, but I think it, I think we saw a little bit of, on the on the golf course today too. That uh, I mean, golf's you know a slow unfolding thing. And those fans, well. Tell the listenership about what happened on Saturday, or are we getting too fast with this whole thing? <laughs> well, I—I I mean, the fans are
1: phenomenal. This uh, every round, there was incredible turnout. They were juiced from you know 8 a.m. on, and I mean, I was out there a lot walking. It was or on very,
0: Saturday from sunrise on. Uh, yeah. Our colleague Dylan DeCheer. how's that pronunciation? Close enough. Close enough. How would you say? It? I would say The chair. Yeah. chair. Yeah. He's a rising talent. Indeed. And he look, look, went 29 and holes with Tiger. Like. It, went, it went the whole day. Let's also make a nod to our colleague Sean Zuck and our other colleagues, Josh Burhau who's here and Jessica Marksberry. And we really had a great team here this week. Heavy hitters. And we've developed a really great uh, team. And a nod, a tip of the hat, to uh, Eamon Lynch who brought in some of this uh, young talent who's now writing for another publication. Let's pour out a little Keontae
1: for Eamon, our departed colleague. Um... So, for for it's on dot com now. Your your recap of of Tiger's very eventful PGA Championship. We got to start with the man himself. What did you think of his performance? What, what do we take away from this? Do you feel we've paid enough tribute to Mamas on the Hill yet? I mean, this. Oh, this you want to you go? <laughs> I, I got to say, the pizza <laughs> was incredible. The pen, penne alla vodka off the charts.
0: Salad uh, course is great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had a plant of Parmesan. How about the uh, how about the fire hydrant uh, outside painted? In the uh, colors of the Italian flag, the tricolor. Nice yeah. touch. Well, and to fire hydrant tiger. I know you. That was not an accident. Yes. slide dog. Well, just go back to Yogi for one quick minute. <laughs> so Yogi grew up here. Uh, we just learned from our waiter across the street from Joe Garagiola, or very much, very much nearby. Uh, and uh, I've always loved Yogi. And uh, and then when I was on the Philadelphia Inquirer probably thirty plus years ago, I covered a celebrity tournament where Yogi was playing. And, uh, and, you know, Yogi was a famous wit, uh, as, as most people know. And um, the, uh, so he's playing in this tournament. The golf course is beautiful. It's spectacular. It's perfect. And uh, the course superintendent, or greenkeeper, uh, comes up to Yogi and says, Yogi, uh, how do you like my fairways? And Yogi looks out at the fairways and sa- fairway and says, it's too narrow. That's so good. Just, you know, that's genius.
1: He wasn't trying to be funny. He's just being accurate. I, I actually wonder how much he's trying to be funny.
0: Yeah, it was was it? I mean, at some point he had to know he was funny, even if he didn't think he was. In this particular instance, I don't think he, I don't think he knew. But it was like it was like Arnold when uh, you know Arnold, why aren't you playing the Masters anymore? I'm afraid I might get a letter. You know, and everyone cracked up. But he like, was just being accurate and truthful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are accidentally funny people. I think Dustin Johnson is accidentally profound, like in a Forrest Gump kind of way. Wow, that's quite a statement. I mean, he. It's just. I don't is think
0: he. Decaf, Great. I don't think I don't
1: think he means to be. It just comes out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and let, I mean, Dustin, this century began with his his eighty at Pebble Beach. Not century, decade. This decade began with his eighty at Pebble Beach, and and it was bracketed by his, his forty one on Saturday at uh, at Shinnecock Hills, and two more missed opportunities. I mean. He went one major championship after all those chances. Well, I've been thinking a lot about Dustin this week. This was, this was his last chance to kind of redeem the whole decade.
0: Well, you wrote a brilliant game story uh, that's up on golf.com right now. And one of the, it seems obvious, but I haven't read it elsewhere. This guy, Brooks Kepka has won three times more <laughs> majors than Dustin Johnson. Uh, but my question to you is, straight up, who do you think is a more talented golfer, Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson?
1: Well, it has to be Brooks Koepka because he gets it done when it matters. I mean, Dustin can bring it more often, clearly. He, he can find his A-minus or his B-plus game off enough to win on a regular tour setup. Kepka hasn't learned how to do that. But Koepka knows how to bring it when it matters the most, and Dustin clearly cannot. So, talented is a funny word. I, I mean... If I had to pick one of those guys to shoot a you know a sixty three to save my life, I think I would take Dustin. I think probably most people would. But if you needed someone to shoot a sixty six on Sunday in major championship, it's Brooks times right. a million. It's not right. even it's not even a conversation. Same goes with Spieth. I mean, you know, Kepca's now caught Spieth for for major championship victories. It's now you know we thought Spieth was going to be the sort of the keynote player of this this new era, and uh, he's he's shown so much vulnerability. Keppka has none. I mean, he is a ruthless closer. He is the closest we've seen to to Tiger or Jack from these young players who gets in position and then slams the door with authority. It's impressive. I'm not
0: diminishing it in any way. You just shrugged. Way. You just shrugged. I just see Dustin. Now I've watched a lot more of Dustin Johnson over the years. I've been captivated by Dustin Johnson as the golfer. You know, really from from. When he got on tour, uh, but it seems to me he plays more sawed-off shots and fade shots and high shots. I just think he's more complete, more flair for
1: sure. He, he played. I absolutely agree with that. But who cares? It's about it's numbers, not pictures. Michael and
0: um, I mean, I, I'm not diminishing Brooks Koepka at all. I truly am not. But <laughs> two of the three are on on really peculiar. Major championship setups, uh, Aaron yeah. Hills, in, in here, uh, much more like tour events. You know, well, that I mean,
1: this is one of my pet peeves. Is everyone says, "Oh, if the courses were firm and fast, it would have been totally different." Well, when you play in warm weather and you play in outdoor sport, there's often thunderstorms. Courses are often soft. Right. I mean. Probably half the majors we play are are soft-ish or very soft,
0: including and, Augusta National. Many years, exactly. they get a lot of even rain in there in the spring,
1: and so and even moving to May may not change that. So for the PGA, so you can, as Kapica has pointed out, with a little bit of red ass, you can only play the course that's presented, and he he does
0: a brilliant job of it. Yeah, well, it's, that's, that's completely defensible, and uh, I, you know Adam Scott picked up on this in his uh, in his Saturday night comments that. Everyone always says this about someone who's playing well, uh, that they play with tremendous confidence, but he really, truly does play with tremendous confidence. I mean, he looks like he, this Brooks Kepka looks like he never gets rattled at all. I mean, the tournament was
1: basically over on the Do floor. Do you want to
0: announce the arrival of the dessert course yes, and describe <laughs> them to the listenership? Yes, we have
1: Spumoni and we have Tiramisu. Yes,
0: okay.
1: We have the credit card. There's a lot happening here, yep. but we're going to power through this. The tournament. <laughs> the tournament was over on um, on Saturday, on the first hole, when Gary Woodland laid up with an iron into the rough, and Kevin Kisner hit a three wood into the fairway, and Big Bad Brooks Kepka smashed a driver a hundred yards past both of them, played a saucy little wedge to a
0: foot, and that was that was he put down a marker. How about, that, how about that beautiful comment he made Saturday night about it? I don't see anything but driver there. Well, that, Love that. That was one of my favorite moments of the whole week when you asked the question of Brooks
1: and Mike, Michael says, "You know, Brooks, were you channeling Arnold Palmer there with that driver in the first hole?" He just gave the blank stare of a man who has no effing clue what you're talking about. And then, yeah, like when you hit driver, you know, kind of like Arnie did at Cherry Hills. You know? It was great. That look on his face was hilarious.
0: Well, what, what, did, what did he say to you after you wrote that? Uh, I, I've, I know i 've complimented privately, but the listenership has to know um, the task of writing game stories on deadline it 's not as hard as shooting you know, two hundred sixty for seventy two holes, but it can be very difficult and it can be particularly challenging when the guy wins by a lot and it can be more challenging when the guy wins by a lot and doesn 't really have that much to say about it and that 's where you Alan found yourself just last year when he won at uh, Aaron Hills by a bunch, uh, and the game story that he wrote, which was a cover story in sports Illustrated. Um, I know that because my wife commented on the cover character, Brooks Kepka, and noted how handsome and uh, dynamic and interesting. I love that he you're so, you're, to be. your
1: your so- so sophisticated, refined wife, who's who's married to <laughs> an urbane intellect like yourself, was like, heavy breathing over Brooks Kepka. I never would have guessed that, that she he was her type.
0: Dust. She also likes Dustin Johnson.
1: I mean, they all do, but I thought Christine would transcend that. I'm like, how did you wind up with me? I'm well, glad Jessica Rabbit has the answer to that because he makes me laugh oh that's good yeah but um yeah so that that story you know that's interesting because I thought I was well positioned to be the OB keeler to Brooks Bobby Jones I I mean I'm, I'm gonna take some credit here I don't think the editors at Sports Illustrated even knew who Brooks Kepka was at the start of that week and I lobbied so hard internally they put him on the cover which is a pretty good honor for a guy who, at that point, had two career victories. And and then, after that, I brokered a, a cover for Golf Magazine. I mean, I, for a while, I felt like I was doing more for Brooks' career than any other member H- of the how media. Many
0: major stories now have you written about Brooks Koepka? The SI cover story, the Golf Magazine cover story, Game Story Tonight. That's yeah. three big ones right there. Yeah. And, um, and, and also Game Story from um, this year's U.S. Open. You've been so. with him in intimate set- settings. I mean, people yeah. want to know, this is inane but I was thinking now I was working on a tiger story so I didn't go to the Brooks Koepka press conference but I thought if I did go what would I ask him and the only thing I could think that I would really want to know is Brooks what's your favorite movie what's your favorite book what's your favorite band what's your favorite golf course if I could ask him four short quick hit questions I'd like to know the answer to those four things I'm going to I don't know the answers but I'm going to say
1: if, if, I'm channeling Brooks' favorite band Slayer favorite movie The Terminator favorite book N.A., not available, <laughs> favorite golf course. I'll get back to you on <laughs> that. Something that's, that's long and soft. But, um, I mean, we're bearing the lead here because all this backstory,
0: me and Brooks, it, it, it well, all... Well, can I, but before you get into that part, okay. let me ask you this part, if I may. People always want to know the same thing, and you and I use this phrase in a book that we wrote a number of years ago, The Swinger. What's the guy really like? You've been with him in intimate settings. What's the guy actually like? Pardon me, what's the guy actually like? He was pleasant. You know, we hung out at his house. Um, What's the house like?
1: Well, it's it's on the um, intercoastal in in Jupiter. It's a nice place. Um, Graham McDowell's wife came in and remodeled it. It's wow. a lot of um, a lot of a lot of stone and modern furnishings. It might be a little cold, the feeling of it for my taste, but it's a very nice house. Beautiful wine room where the trophy was 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 sitting. Nice dock from which you know you could swim over to uh, Ricky Fowler's house and Dustin's old place. He's now building a, a Xanadu, a little, a few bends down the river. But um, and yeah, very, Brooks was perfectly fine.
0: Did you have to jump through a lot of hoops just to get in the house?
1: No, no, he offered it up. I mean, we were trying to. It was the the cover story for for Golf Magazine was Brooks and Dustin and their trainer Joey D, mm-hmm. um, and their their very close relationship with him, and they wanted to do this story with Joey being on the cover as kind of a thank you to him and, and an acknowledgement. And I thought that was cool. You know, this guy kind of toils in the shadows, and they were this was their chance to kind of pay him back and say thank you.
0: And that um, is nice. Along those same lines, I saw Joey D. and uh, and Dustin uh, walking in uh, Carnoustie back from a pizza shop, and uh, DJ was carrying the pizza, which I think is nice and appropriate. Yeah, I mean Joey, he's. He's a
1: trainer, but he's also like a life coach. He's a mm-hmm. nutritionist. He's a um, a wet nurse. I mean, he plays a big role in both of their lives, like uh-huh. a huge role. Does he work like, full time for those two guys? Does he have other guys? No, pretty much those two guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he at his performance center where we taped a video that people have probably seen on, on Golf. dot com. Um, he works him out there, and there's other trainers who have are kind of under his umbrella. One of his guys trains Justin Thomas, Lexi Thompson goes there there's a lot of golf talent under one roof but Joey you know he's in his 50s now he's kind of consolidated his efforts around Brooks and Dustin and so so, so Brooks we invited you to the house yeah because we wanted to take some pictures on of them um and also some video of them on paddle boards out in intercoastal and that was cool um and then we, t- we took some still photos of him for the most fashionable issue so we were we were just at the house hanging out Now, a couple months later, um, I got an assignment to to write for our Modern Pro Series, a a story about how tour players make and spend money, and so I included some details from that day about the fancy cars and the remodel of the house and the wine room, and subsequently I heard from Brooks' agent that that Brooks was unhappy that those things were made public, and... um, I think the agent said that the cars were off the record <laughs> um, and, you know it 's just observational reporting it 's what we do um, I guess i you know from Books' perspective, we were there to do a very specific thing it got um it became part of a different story and and it's just one it 's just one of those things i i was I'm sorry that he was upset. I sent a conciliatory note to him. this is back in like i think november or december um and, and that was that was i thought the end of it so then Fast forward to the... the
0: what, did you just send the note to the agent and have the agent?
1: Yeah, I said, I don't have Brooks' number. I said, you know, please please pass this along to Brooks. Wh- who's the agent again? Uh, Blake Smith, uh, son of Randy, the swing coach. Mm-hmm. He was a nice guy. I've, I've always Randy enjoyed Smith, doing. who worked for Phil for years. Um, no, right. that's... Um, oh, Rick Smith. I'm that's sorry. Rick Smith. Randy's the no, no, Texas yeah. guy who um, worked with Justin Leonard and diff- different branch of Smith swing instructors. Um, but uh, totally nice guy. Um, so fast forward, the as it turns out, the photos we took of, of Brooks and DJ and Joey D didn't really work. I mean, Joey D's like a head shorter than both of them. Mm-hmm. The photographer didn't frame them well. It just They just didn't work. And the editors in New York decided to just put the two U.S. Open champs on the cover. Um, unfortunately, I was not monitoring things very closely at home in California. And I, no one in the office told me... Definite breakdown in communication. So the issue comes out, and Brooks and, and Dustin, especially Brooks, were very upset that Joey D wasn't on the cover because that had been the agreement. And I totally understood. And honestly, I was kind of bummed. I put me in a tough position because I'd helped, you know, broker this entire cover. So um, I had met, I had a series of phone calls with Joey D. You know, I told him I was really sorry. How was he about it? He was pissed. I mean, he's a very passionate guy. He was very upset, and I let him blow off a lot of steam. I mean, some of these conversations were conducted at a high decibel level, and okay, well, fair play. I mean, it just, it was it was an unfortunate situation.
0: Did he challenge you to a fight as Ernie Ellis did years ago? <laughs> no. That's a different podcast, Michael. Stay focused. Um, no, but um,
1: we talked at length, and I think in the end he understood it was it wasn't my decision, and it was just the way it went down, and um, there, was a, there was a lot of moving parts, and it just it just didn't happen, and everyone was bummed. And but um, you know, our our top editor of golf magazine had a phone call with the representatives from uh, from Dustin and and Brooks's uh, you know management firm, and he explained the whole thing. And so I pretty I thought it was pretty much done and dusted. So now it's Sunday night at Shinnecock Hills, and I didn't see I didn't see Brooks in any of this because he um, you know he missed the first four months of the season, and then. Late April, I was in Thailand. And then May, I was on the Latino America tour. I wasn't on the PJ tour between the Masters and the US Open. So, Sunday night, Shinnecock Hills. Um, I really hadn't laid eyes on Brooks all week. I mean, I'd seen him between the ropes, but I hadn't, I hadn't interacted with him. Mm-hmm. So, we're, we're coming into the, the press conference, and the agent comes and gets in my face and says, Don't even think about asking a question. And I was so stunned, I didn't even really reply. But, you know, everyone's piling into this room. We're blocking the aisle. I just kept going. And but and I was holding my laptop and kind of cradling it like a baby, because that's the relationship we have. And I look up, and and Brooks is, like, staring at me. And it was the first time we'd made eye contact. And he, he points at me and says, you, out. And it was Again, it was so unexpected. The guy just won the U.S. Open. The, this big old trophy sitting next to him. It's one of the crowning moments of his life. And this is what he's focused on. And I, I, was, I had enough presence of mind to say, well, Brooks kept because I have the authority to boot me out of this press conference, and I'm not going anywhere. So I just sat down in a seat that was right there off the aisle. I, he whispered something to the USJ official, probably along the lines of "Don't call on that, Dick." And um, and I just decided, given the the bad mojo, I wasn't going to ask any questions, just kind of let everything mellow out. And um, but it was a very public kind of moment, and a handful of reports came up to me afterwards because you know when Brooks pointed, people turned around, like w- w- you know. Was that you? I said, yeah. Unfortunately, and you know what happened. So I told him. I, I told everyone the story, and the universal reaction was, "What a weird dude!" Like <laughs> one of the greatest moments of your life. And I understand he, you know, he had these things he was a little unhappy about, but um, it was amazing that it played out in that circumstance. And um, so, but I still wrote, uh, you know, uh, a a long story for golf.com about, about his victory because it deserved to be celebrated.
0: Right. <laughs> you, no, I, speechless. I was just adding, I was adding one more story. So uh, the golf magazine cover, the sports illustrated cover, the game story today and the game story from, from Shinnecock Hills. Yep. So really four very significant, significant uh, uh, stories. Uh, but I guess really the point here is he's a, maybe a, different kind of person and also that athletes find motivation unexpected places yeah i mean this is not new i
1: mean look at michael jordan you know all the grievances that he nursed through his whole career and and just and spilled out in his hall of fame induction speech you know that was no one's ever burned as hot as jordan did we know tiger i mean whether it's feuding with jimmy roberts it's calling out stephen ames there's a million examples
0: well, the, the, the deepest one in Tiger might be, and we don't really know the truth here. Maybe someday Tiger can address it, if he so chooses. But uh, Earl grew up with a lot of racism. He he, he dealt with racism, uh, given the time and the place that uh, that he was born and raised. Um, and we don't know to what degree, you know, golf had a uh, had a, a racist history. And we don 't really know uh, to what degree that motivated tiger's uh early career at all
1: wasn 't that an Earl thing you know kiss my ass, Bobby Jones yeah. I mean after the masters like for sure, and so the fact that Brooks uses these things um, that 's fair play that 's how he he wants to fuel his 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 golf game, and I mean it obviously works for him, but so it put it puts me in a funny position we got to write about Brooks this week. It's my job to write essentially the, what we call the game story about the winner. You know, I've been taking turns this year and it was, mm-hmm. this was my turn. And so, you know, Brooks had made this whole thing public at the champions press conference, but I hadn't touched it since then. Right. And it actually took some pep talks from you and other people that, uh, on our staff, that it's something I should write about. Cause it's so revealing. I mean, people want to know who these guys are and, that to me said a lot about who brooks kepka is so in the yeah. end i decided you know that i was going to i was going to touch on it in my in my story yeah and um, i think i mean i i do think that moment of is of candor from brooks it tells you more than any quotes from his press conference or from nike ad campaigns or any other way of of kind of seeing out you know how and why this guy is is wired yeah. the way he is
0: i hope for his sake but this is not human nature, that uh, that the shell won't get thicker and thicker as he uh, goes deeper into his career. Uh, but as we saw from Tiger, that's not usually how it goes. Um, but I don't think it will serve him well uh, to, well, for one thing, treat reporters as enemies. You know, we just sort of represent the ordinary fan. But two, uh, to just find slights when they're not really there. I mean, he's a tremendous talent. He's a very... Photogenic player, he plays a very exciting brand of golf. Um, you would hope for his sake and for the game's sake that he can find a way to get more comfortable with uh, his public status. I mean, going to this Ryder Cup, he's going to be the guy that you look at first and foremost. He won two majors this year. Come on. Well, and he so openly
1: craves the the love and acceptance of a Jordan Spieth or a Ricky Fowler or a Justin Thomas. And part of the reason why they're so popular with the fans is. These guys just seem like fundamentally happy, well-adjusted people. There's no angst in what they do. They, they live life and, and have a good time, and, and that's why people connect with them. And Brooks radiates a totally different vibe. And so yeah. it's part of why I think folks, whether they're in the media, they're at home on TV, even his fellow peers have a hard time, like, warming up to him because he, he, there's
0: an edge there, and yeah. it's quite palpable. Well, r- remind the listenership because they really may not even have – ever heard it, uh, about the extraordinary path he took to the PGA Tour. Yeah, I mean, he, w- he was not a blue-chip prospect.
1: You know, he, w- he was dying to go to Florida. That was his dream. He didn't get recruited. He went to Florida State, which is a good good school. It's not really a golf factory. And um, had a nice career and thought he was going to make the Walker Cup team. He got snubbed for that. Bombed out at Q School, so he went over to Europe. And all his contemporaries were were playing great in the U.S. and, and – um, Becoming superstars over here, and he went. He did it the hard way, but through his fine play, winning tournaments in unusual places like Turkey, um, he just became a force in the game. Got back on the PGA Tour, and and the rest is history. But you know, he was in this sort of self-imposed exile in Europe, and I think that that sort of hardened his his feeling of being an outsider and and. Um, you know those, those when you're when you're not making money in Europe. I mean, there's tales of him sleeping in a car, you know, sharing a room with three other players. I mean, it was not it was not a cushy existence for a few years there. That's cool. It's super cool. It's a mean, great story. It's a great story. And um, someone said, "Oh, you and you and um, Kepka are beefing." I said, "He's he has a beef with me." I I think that he's a a, a very compelling player, and I think he's taken an interesting right. road to get here. And I've enjoyed writing about him, and I think that he's. He's fun to watch and how he just overpowers a golf course and the, the swagger he plays with and the efficiency with it, which he plays. I mean, I, um, I don't have any real ill will towards Brooks. I mean, but so now it comes to the press conference tonight. And obviously, um, I, I have a story I'm working on. I want to ask him a question. I don't really know how it's going to go because I gave him a wide berth at Carnoustie. And uh, we have, so we haven't interacted since, you know, he tried to toss me from the press conference. So... Um, but you know what? My job is to ask questions. Just because someone's mad at me doesn't mean I'm not going to do my job. So I right. um, raised my hand. The PJ official calls on me, and you know, my question was something to the effect of, you know, Brooks, you're not going to be player of the year. You're, both your peers and the writers are going to vote, vote, vote you that honor. Three major championships pretty much guarantees you a spot in the Hall of Fame. You know, do you think you'll finally get the appreciation you deserve? And meanwhile, while I'm asking the question, he's not making eye contact with me. He takes off his hat, and he's kind of, like, rubbing his hands through his hair and – you know it was sort of a visual like f u but and then he kind of mumbles um hope so hope so next question yeah, really <laughs> it was, odd it, it was it was really funny I mean I burst out laughing because it was so funny yeah. um you know that's a good response a handful of people in the room kind of knew the backstory because they were at Shinnecock, but you know it's a lot of local reporters, it's a lot of uh you know non um guys on the beat and gals and so a bunch of heads turned around to look like whoa what's this all about you know right. they have no idea and right. I mean the whole thing was just honestly it was funny and you know I, I don't think it was I don't think Brooks acquitted himself well there it just it was kind of childish I mean it was a legit question Yep. um but whatever I mean I I included that little bit in the story because it was germane to what I was writing and yep. Uh, you know, at some point, I'm sure we'll have a. We can sit down and have a philosophical discussion, and maybe he'll punch me out. I don't know, but he'll break me in half, and uh, that'll be another
0: good column to write for my. You know, from well, my... you've straightened things out with others before, Sean McHale, Ernie Ells, and others. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I mean, you do this long attrition. enough, people
1: are going to be mad at you.
0: Yeah. Well, no one really gets mad at you, Michael. No, I've had my share, actually. Uh, I don't think Ben Wright's talking to me, but Ben Wright's not talking to too many people these days. Well, that's a classic. What what is your sense, Alan, of the fact that this guy has won three majors and only four PGA Tour events? How do you explain that? Well, part of it, he he wasn't on the
1: PGA Tour for a couple years, so he hasn't had as many reps. But it's really mystifying because his game translates even better to the average p j tour setup you know where you can just really smash it um yeah you probably't play Phoenix, but he'd win phoenix every year I, right. playing like
0: this he'd win by twenty
1: i mean i think he i think what he said is is has merit he just he gets up for the majors he knows they're important it's his chance to give a middle finger to all the haters and um real and imagined and so he brings a different level of intensity and
0: concentration and, and grind and um you know it's I think he, it's he, he, kind of funny, though, because majors really are all about uh, status, perceived or real. What's a major? A major is a golf tournament with, with more status than, than another right. tournament.
1: Yeah, I mean, this could have been the, the greater St. Louis Open, I mean, given the setup and everything right. else. Right, right.
0: But it kind of makes you wonder, well, you know, if why does he care so much about majors? Uh, I think because it, it's all about status. He's been craving status
1: for years and this is the quickest way to do it. You can win a bunch of greenbriars and that's nice and people will recognize the victory tally. Uh-huh. But in in the final analysis, if you want to if you want to be compared to Spieth and Rory and Dustin, you know, majors is the easiest measuring stick. It it just is. It's type Jack you know, before him and then especially Tiger have have made it the ultimate measurement of a career, fair or not. I mean, Dustin's going to be Hall of Famer. He's got 19 wins. Brooks has had four. Some guys might prefer Dustin's career, but, you know, in the right. final analysis, the, it, it's three to one Brooks, and I, that's, that's the number that really matters to most people.
0: It's right, interesting. Got, before
1: they kick us out of this restaurant, we've got to go a little bit on Tiger. Tell me yeah. what you wrote about and, and what, what you think of his performance.
0: Yeah. You know, well, just to dovetail from what, following what you were just saying, Tiger's got 14 major championships and he's got 79 tour wins. Uh, you can easily make the case that he's greatest golfer of all time. Not easily, but you, one can make the case that he's greatest golfer of all time. And, 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 and some would not. But when I think about Tiger in the context that you are just talking about, if Tiger played some B-list events, if he played Greensboro, if he played the Sea Island event, uh, if he played that event in, uh, in Sacramento, um... He'd win. He'd win. Sooner or later, he'd win. Meaning right now, this this Tiger Woods, yeah, Tiger Woods, right now, he'd win eventually. Um, So then he'd have 82 tour tour wins. You know, maybe to get to 81, I think that's what Snead has, right? Yeah, 82. Yeah, maybe 82. So who cares? No one's going to care. But if he gets that 15th major, the whole world's going to care. Now, maybe I'm not reading that right. Maybe it would be just a really, really big deal. But uh, for him to win any tour event. But I think Tiger's thing is, I got to win on a week when the best players in the world are all congregating, full field, with a cut, on a tough golf course. Well,
1: and he always played just the varsity schedule, even in his prime. He didn't play those B-list events. If he had, he'd have 120 wins now. I mean, he played, what, right. 17 or 18 events, the, the hardest tournaments with the best field. So right. that's always been his M.O. I think that if he were to pick off a win anywhere, it would be cathartic. Um, it would... It would sort of validate him in, in some way, that he can still do it. It wouldn't be as meaningful as a major championship, but the fact that he's, he's been knocking on the door all year and hasn't been able to do it, I think when he does get a win, whether it's at Torrey Pines and, and, or Pebble Beach, well, not Pebble Beach, but any, any run-of-the-mill tour event that he plays, it will be more meaningful than any other
0: non-major win has been for him. He should feel great because... Just to focus on his golf for a minute, he should feel great because his golf has improved dramatically this year. I am amazed at how much his golf has improved. It's astounding. He was absolutely lost at the beginning of this year, and what he did today as a uh, putting on that front nine, I think it took eight, had eight one putts on the front nine, and you know he hit some loose shots, but Tiger's always hit some loose shots. As Gary Woodland told me after the round today, he shot 64 and when it looked like he was shooting 74. Well, it well, was a th- it was a thrill to watch. So
1: there's no yeah. question. On the other hand, how is he going to beat Brooks Kepka when Kepka is smashing driver into the fairway and Tiger's missing fairways with an iron? It's just such a tall mountain He's to not. climb.
0: And Kepka now can, is as good a putter or better than Tiger is right now. now the, the question we were posed earlier today, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, is yes or no, will Tiger ever win another major? Uh, I don't want to say no because I, I really think it's – I truly think it's unsporting to say no. But, and I don't, so I I really couldn't have followed the rules of the question, yes or no. Uh, I don't know how someone could say yes, because how can you really know? But the point I'm trying to make is, it is a mountain for him to win another major championship. I I don't think you ever can
1: possibly win another Masters, because you have to hit so many drivers there. And that's the weakest club in his bag. Now, the U.S. Open, I mean, Pebble Beach is an antiquated golf course. It's barely 7,000 yards, and you can't stretch it anymore. It's tipped out. So Pebble Beach next summer is a great opportunity for Tiger. He's won there before, obviously. And you can hit a lot of 2 and 3 irons and 3 woods and but will that play bouncy in June? What what is it? It like? should. It should. I mean it's it's foggy potentially, but it's dry. So yeah, it'll it'll definitely be bouncy. So yeah, it that's that course the effective yardage is about 6600 yards. So I think that you know those kind of courses present opportunity. The old course uh, same thing. You know, the way he maneuvered more chances
0: he's got one more chance
1: maybe two at the old Yeah, course. I'm just saying there there are a few venues but I don't think he can win a PGA. I don't think he can because those are driver golf courses even in May. I don't think he can win a Masters. The Opens are clearly his best opportunity and it depends on you know if there's if Pebble gets a lot of rain for some freak reason and it plays long and, and you know and you have to hit a lot of drivers then he's got no chance. But when when you get to the right golf course in the right conditions he's dangerous and but now you look at him. Mean, he had a great opportunity today. He had a great opportunity at Carnoustie, and he just made a lot of mistakes. He did a lot of great things, but yeah, you know, how's he not birdie seventeen, the par five today? That was a, that was a that was playing like a, barely a par four.
0: Yeah. How um, about his response in that two shot? Yeah,
1: I mean, those are just the little things.
0: Um, and he was wasn't just... angry. He he was hurting when he came off that final green at Carnoustie. He wasn't hurting today, but he probably knew, like Woodland said, that he was, he was looking at 74, not 64. And if, if the greens had been firm, he would have shot 76 because
1: playing out of the rough to yeah. firm greens, he'd have no chance. Because they were soft enough, he could, he could still stop the ball. But, I mean, I think Tiger knows that he maxed out. I mean, he shot 130 on the weekend. That's yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> It's Texas Open. It's it's a joke Yeah I think that's a Mike Sucheck. Exactly. By the way, I'm, you know you're a golf nerd when Per <laughs> Brooks. Some there's some word on my phone that autocorrects to Suchek when I'm trying to type something else. Uh. And it always makes me smile. How many people get their phone turn something into Suchek? That's funny. Yeah. Well this is fun, as always, Michael. We're literally the last people here. The, this guy's been sweeping the same spot for like ten minutes. Yeah. They're clearly trying to get rid of us. So let's wrap it up. But on a personal note, I really enjoyed our, our Sunday night chat at the meeting. Well, it's district. been a good
0: time. So we're we going to try to do another one at the Ryder Cup. Oh, we
1: we we. How do you spell that?
0: I have no idea. O U I. Yes,
1: we will. Although I may be tarred and feathered and running down the Champs Elysees from you know pitchfork carrying mobs, so. Oh right! Uh, it, it's TBA whether I survive the Ryder Cup week, but if I do, you do, have a rooting will, interest in
0: uh, in the Ryder Cup. I mean, I think people I mean, perceive that you root. traditionally
1: I've rooted for Europe because it's a better story. I, I don't care about the players. I don't care. I travel on no passport. I'm an impartial observer. It's just a better story when Europe has won because of the angst that it's followed, and they've all you know they were the underdogs, and then it got boring, and so I started rooting for the U.S. And that didn't do any good. Um, But this time, I'm obviously rooting for the U.S. because I have more at stake than Tiger Woods, Jim Furyk, Phil Mickelson, Thomas Bjorn. I have more at stake than anybody. So I need the U.S. to come through just because otherwise my life will be a living hell for two years on Twitter.
0: Well, when you you started writing about six months ago that, you know, America should be on a run for the next 20 years, basically, Uh, at the time, the logic was impeccable. But now it looks less. Now it looks peckable. <laughs> it was actually last fall.
1: I mean, yeah, the rise of Tommy Fleetwood has not been helpful. I mean, he's turned into a world beater. Um, Francesco the Molinari. That, um, you know, Terrell Hatton. He was in this tournament. He, it was sneaky, sneaky. He never um, showed one picture of yeah, the guy. There's no question that Europe is stronger. And, you know, Jordan and Jordan I mean, Spieth. stronger than they were. Stronger than they were. I don't and, think they're stronger than
0: the American team.
1: No, no. They're stronger than than they were a year ago. But on the flip side, Sergio's gone in the toilet. You know, he's been a stalwart for them. Stenson's playing poorly. So, you know, but we'll see. On the other hand, Phil and Tiger were on no one's radar a year ago. Now both have, have been playing excellent golf. So, um, you know, Webb Simpson stealing that eighth spot doesn't help our cause. I think that um, possibly there's some other players you'd like to see on the team, but it is what it is. So... It really, you can, you can go, both teams can go down the line and, and say X, Y, and Z. The bottom line is, I need
0: the U.S. to win. Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, but we will do it Sunday night. From well,
0: a quick nod to St. Louis, which is uh, uh, the Paris of the Midwest. I think they say that. We both enjoy St. Louis. You know, it's, it's a great, great town. It's, it, everyone knows it's a great sporting town, but it's a great cultural mix and uh, wonderful restaurants, wonderful Interesting people and uh, a lot
1: of cool buildings downtown. I mean, there's some it looked like Soho in some places. Yeah. I mean, it's really, um, it's really. Yeah, we're,
0: we're saying goodbye to the PGA in in August, and uh, I think we probably both have mixed feelings uh, about that. And probably, probably, will be good for the tournament. I championship. I hope it will be for, for their sake. Wow. But there's been something neat about something neat about August on the road in unlikely places that we might not always go to St. Louis, Rochester. Uh, Louisville, Charleston. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun run. It's been it's been, be a fun run. it's been it's been sweaty though. It's been so sweaty, been sweaty. <laughs> and and the greens have been soft, and the courses. It has, honest to God, when it's all said and done, it has felt like the stepchild of the majors. Not because of the fields, but because of the courses. Well,
1: when you come to this hot, you have to put a lot of water on the greens so they don't die, and it just changes the way the game is played. I mean, yeah. it's not. Major championship of golf when guys are just stopping four irons dead next to the flag. So right. I think I think in the final analysis, May is going to be better. And for my selfish purposes, it, I get a week back in the summer with my kids. That's helpful. I mean, I, yeah. I'm excited about the move. Yep. Yeah. Great. All right. We are signing off from Mamas on the Hill. Michael Bamberger, thanks for doing this. It's a This is Alan Shipnuck for The Knockdown and Golf.com. We will see you in gay petty. Out.